Mr. Pop. Jeez, I've got a dunny budgie in here. It's just no good. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, welcome to another edition of Rock and Roll. I think we've stayed out of the headlines this week. I think we've stayed out of celebrity feuds this week. In fact, I think we've stayed out of everything except the uh, the really sticky, horrible heat that we're experiencing in Melbourne now. But welcome to the show. My name's Kevin Hillier. With me, as always, Mark Fine. Lovely to see you, Finey, looking tanned and terrific. Look, your introduction is professional, but I just realised, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, if anybody is letting their children, any girl or boy listen to this, they are probably in breach of some parenting act. Uh, look, I know that there are bad kids out there. There are some kids on the wrong side of the rail, some naughty girls and boys, but even they tell girls and boys not to listen. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we come with our kind of own parental guidance restrictions. And the other part of the show, of course, this week he hasn't been in the headlines, he hasn't been in the bay, he hasn't been, uh, for the best of my knowledge, he hasn't been anywhere in particular. He's just been keeping a very, very low profile. And I speak, of course, of Brian Mannix. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you, Mark. Actually, I think you're distorting a little bit, Kev. Am I? I think you are. Okay. I think you're distorting. I'll I'll pull myself back from distortion. Just pull yourself, okay? Back. I'm, I'm back. And that's why boys and girls go to bed. <laughs> 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 but it's still sunny. Don't worry, just run for the hills. <laughs> uh, what have you been doing this week, Mr Mannix? Um, well, um, I've been packing up my house and um, I just moved into my brother's joint for uh, – so I'll stay with him till um, probably mid-February or uh, end of Feb. And today I went for a long walk along the Mooney Ponds Creek, which was great, a bit hot. And then after that I thought, because I used to live in Oak Park, mm. and I thought I could, because my brother's in Strathmore, I thought I could walk to the Oak Park pool today. So I took a walk over to the Oak Park pool and I had a swim and did a couple of laps and um, – had a couple of green smoothie things and um, was, you know, yeah, it was really nice to get in the water and have a swim. Um, Without you know, getting some... bitten by a shark. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Um, I wonder if there's, yeah, no, I won't do a Marty Sheagull. We'll just keep, we'll move on. Yes. Um, uh, is the pool named anything? Is, is it like the, you know, the Harold Oak Holt Park. Memorial Pool, like there is in Paran, which is always brings no, a smile to my face? No. That's just up the road from the Lindy Chamberlain Child Mining Centre that's and the, one. the uh, Sid Vicious Rehab Clinic. <laughs> that's it. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and the, the Warwick Chappelle Kappa Corby. School. And the Warwick Kappa School of... <laughs> no, just the Warwick Kappa School. <laughs> and, and Chappelle Corby's got a uh, travel agency up there too. Mm. So right. that's all happening. <laughs> Because I see one of our Olympians, Ariana Titmus, has just had the pool in Launceston named after her, which, you know, it's not, a, it's not a good premise, you know. Harold Holt set the benchmark for not having pools named after yourself, I would have thought. Mm. He, look, he loved swimming. He just wasn't very good at it. <laughs> yeah, the John Denver Flying School. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't work, does it? You know what I mean? Wow. Doesn't, doesn't work for anybody. No. Uh, what have you, I told you, Gilbo, I used to love the Harold Holt, and Gilbo got us kicked out and we never went back there. He got kicked out for pissing in the pool. Which everybody does. 
Yeah, but not off the ten metre diving board. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have you been doing this week, Finey? Um, got a, I got a business venture that will become clearer in weeks to come. But I'll, yep. I'll play my cards close to my chest. Yep. I will say this: all through COVID, COVID has been a very happy excuse for any company, business people, anybody that even in personal relationships that don't do anything, just got COVID. And now with the supply <laughs> chain, cut it was COVID, no staff, COVID supply chain. So I went to South Melbourne Market on Saturday and I wanted to buy beef top rib to make the um, Argentinian asado beef, which is great. Really? And I went to three butchers, no top rib. Now they were full of meat. All three books are. So I wasn't just going to cop it. I said, why no top rib? Oh, no, it's, no, 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 the COVID, mate. That's all. I said, oh, oh have, are you telling me that cows know that cows and cattle no longer have a bone structure? <laughs> he goes, no, 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 mate, there's no butchers. Oh, so I said, what's happening? Do they go to the abattoirs and neatly after you, after they're killed at the abattoirs, they self fall into fillets and porterhouse <laughs> and all the expensive cuts and stir-fry and, and they mince themselves, but the <laughs> sort of lesser, better cuts, they don't just, what is he talking about? Why, why is the rest of the cow there? <laughs> no, COVID, mate, that part of the cow, that, that COVID killed that, mate. Come on. <laughs> It is a, it is the, uh, the 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 card that you put on the table for whatever whatever it is you write whatever it is you want to get away yeah. with off you go yeah yeah like it mate your flies undone Kevin <laughs> yes uh, goodness me all right well you've had an how do the that's a that's a pretty um, uh, I would say exotic sort of dish that you were talking about oh great dish Asado. you know beef ribs you can you can cut them two ways you cut them down the rib like a normal person but the Argentinians cut it across. And so do the Koreans, which means when you, even though it's not super tender, if you barbecue them really quickly, they are very tender. They get the barbecue marks on them, but you get all the value from bone. I'll tell you, I made a gumbo on the weekend. I've it was got very some bone good. right now. No, I know stop you it. What? 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 What did I, what did I say? COVID. <laughs> Is it wrong? COVID. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a boy. That's a boy. Um, any person that serves you a dish, from an animal that has a bone, without bone, without the bone in it, is a victim. It's not a victim. They are the the result of our lazy, plastic, fantastic, spastic society. I know you're not supposed to use that word, yep. but for them, it's bones. That's what makes me great. The flavour of the bone and the anyhow, I'm very passionate about bones. But apparently, because of COVID, it's too difficult, and also. They can't put things like seventy four ninety nine a kilo, Angus, or Wagyu, mm-hmm. seventy five a kilo. You know the, what Wagyu steak used to be. I can't sell that too fatty. Exactly. Oh, really? I'm not. A, I'm not a fan at all. It is. It is just. It's sinew. Yeah. You know the Japanese massage them. I really don't want a, an animal that's been subject to bestiality on my plate either. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a rub for meat, and then there's a rub for meat, and exactly. that's exactly yeah. they, they die happy. I don't mind a bit of a meat rub. <laughs> I reckon that's all right. Are you in the same show as us? 
No, I'm just. Um... <laughs> They're simultaneously being recorded, uh, rock and roll, the the porn edition, which is being recorded at the same time. Brian's just linking into that and missing right. us. You know, if somebody asked me what does Brian like to eat, you know what I'd say. The only thing I've ever heard him eat is this thing called Red Rooster Lotto because his local Red Rooster, for some reason, and I've never heard of any other one, only has chicken about half the time. That's right. So he loves Red Rooster, but it's a bit of a, a cat and mouse game, or should I say, <laughs> yeah, a game it is. of chicken. Forty-five <laughs> percent of the time, I go there. Ah, oh, no, we got no chicken. And then I went to McDonald's, and Millie was five to eight, and they said, "Ah, no burgers." I was like, "Crikey!" Anyway, that's... sorry, five to eight. Yeah, at McDonald's is. Oh, you mean AM? No, you saw you, you saw you walking into the local dry cleaner's <laughs> half cup. Oh, uh, uh, another burger. <laughs> not burger here, not burger here. You go to Ikea, don't expect to be able to buy furniture. That's not going to happen. <laughs> well, no, that's true because my, I, I, if this was a video podcast or a vodcast or a whatever they call it, I would now go and produce a pack of Swedish meatballs my wife picked up on the weekend Went to Ikea, came back with no furniture, like Jack in the Beanstalk comes back with a giant bag of meatballs and lingonberry jam. Are they comfy you know to sit on? Oh. <laughs> what was that? Are they comfy to sit on? We've well, got to put them together. Yeah, have got to put them together. <laughs> right, okay. Um, Alan Key. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's funny. I was watching, what was I watching the day? Um, Porno? No, something about, something about, I'll come to you, um, something about, that the only place they could get this particular product from was Sweden. I'll come to me. And they said, you have normally associate the Swedish with something like that. And I was thinking, yeah, because it can't flat pack. Like it was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. IKEA is a, uh, a law unto itself. Now, we've got a bit to get through uh, sports wise, boys. So I'll get to that in a tick. But I want to uh, mention uh, the chart this week is the Eon FM Melbourne Music Chart from February 28, 1985. Yep, sure is. Uh, and a weird chart, weird set-out chart. I never realised how ridiculously set-out their chart was where they have the numbers in the middle. Oh, so, so clever. Oh, sorry. No wonder all uh, at that stage, uh, February uh, 1985, I was still in uh, at 3XY doing mornings yeah. and we thought everyone at Eon were wankers. And you look at this chart and, and you can see why we thought that. Um, because You know, they had a guy in a meeting that was presented. Everybody, I want, so I want you to... Uh, this is Steve. That's the guy who saved us printing the numbers twice on the charts. <laughs> I mean, he, he is headed places. <laughs> it's the most ridiculously set out chart I've ever seen in my entire life. I didn't realise they did it like that until I looked at this one. And then I've got to say, it's a sorrowful pack of uh, vinyl that is, is chocking up this chart. Uh, you know what Very. I'm saying about it, Brian being the, Sorry, I. It in, but you you can correct me. This seemed to be the most narrow chart music-wise. It didn't go – all the music seemed to live next door to each other. Mm. Yep. Yeah. It's, somebody's had a hit with one style of music, so everybody else has to copy it. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. very, very ordinary list. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. It is. I'm not, in, I'm, not, I'm not madly passionately in love with anything on this chart and I'm not madly no. passionately hating anything in this chart. It's kind of the, the most ambivalent it's chart we've ever done. mediocre, done. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It it's is. It's really mediocre. But there is one song not- that I actually mm-hmm. that is on this chart that I was actually going to do a big piece on uh, tonight because it's been turned into an ad 
and it is the most god-awful ad I've seen in for as long as I can remember, and uh, it just so happens to be in this chart, and that was purely by accident, but we'll get to that when we get to the chart, February mm. 28, 1985, a little later on. Well, I've got to mention the tennis. It's the biggest the biggest story going around at the moment. Your thoughts on Ash Barty, Dylan Alcott, the super, the special Ks, uh, and uh, and Raf Finey? First of all, to my mate Sheebs, who I picked up from the airport, great mate of mine, lived in South Melbourne, but he's been in Coffs Harbour for four years. First of Is all, this Sheebs? Sheebs. Who? Nickname Sheebs. I don't know where it's from. Anyhow, know. driving back, there's a huge poster of Marty Fugold as we drive past it, and he's 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 partner is in there, you know, de facto marriage is a lovely woman. And as we drive past her, I just said, cockhead. He said, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, I did this podcast with Brian. He was telling me about, about Marty Sheargold. And, and she goes, never heard of him. But if you reckon he's a cockhead, then he's probably a good bloke. Anyhow, so, so he just said one thing about the tennis, right? Now, I know it's politically correct, but I couldn't give an answer. All right, it's ter- what I'm going to say is terrible, but it was Sheeves, not me. Right. Why does Dylan Alcott wear tennis shoes? Mm, I don't know. It's a, it's a good It's a valid question. I mean, you know, you'd be silly playing in moccasins or bare feet, but you could. Yeah. If you want. I just want to know. And I know Dylan, by the way. I used to, I, he used to go out to clubs down Chapel Street. He's a ripping bloke, great fun, and he would laugh at that and then push me down the stairs at Revolver. Probably. Anyhow, yes. enough about Andrew O'Keefe. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, dear. Oh, boy. <laughs> Brian, you can talk about Andrew O'Keefe. Well, well Andrew O'Keefe I is. I can't swear see. enough. My brother, actually, we, we were watching um, the final last night, and because um, I was staying with my brother and uh, my brother Chris, and me and his wife Debbie, and we were watching it. And my brother got so annoyed, he goes, why are the ball boys wearing hats? It's night time. What is the logic in that? And it's not a bad point. Why they were, it's because some designer said, no, it's an ensemble and we have to wear the entire outfit. But they got the sun thing down the back of their neck so their, sun, their neck doesn't get sunburnt. But I couldn't understand why. My brother, he, he just had enough. He just walked out on the whole thing. He said, I'm not watching this while those ball boys have got the, the hats on. I'm assuming it's right. a quite right. Yeah. Between all cots shoes and their hats, it's yeah. completely got useless. It's, it's a real turn off, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, 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 want, I know. Look, we should all say something about Ash Barty. You know what I want to say about her? Mm-hmm. I think she's a great tennis player because she's got gears, right? Yeah. I've, I've always found her a bit saccharine sweet. She's just always said beautiful things about everybody. Okay, that's okay, but it doesn't take you anywhere. But that period after the game where she had a beer and whatever, I now cherish her because I think of all the other recent champions, they're barely Australian. Rafter lived in Bermuda. Leighton Hewitt, he, he was born saying, come on, you know what I mean? <laughs> he, he was born, he fell out of his mother a Californian. Um, <laughs> you know, and Pat Cash, you know, he's... he's I He's, like Pat. Uh, no, Pat, Pat was Australian. Yeah, but but he was uh, at that stage. It was a more an American. You know, he wasn't. He was the first champion after Laver and Rosewall and those blokes. You know, he was, he was good. Don't get me wrong, a great player, but pretty brash. 
I just love, she is so normal. I, she, I'm so, you know, I will never have a bad word said against her except her Richmond following. I mean, she is great. Yep. Yeah, no, she, she's fantastic. She is. She's really yeah. terrific. And a lovely little surprise getting Yvonne Corley there uh, to uh, to present the uh, the cup to her. That was all, that was all good. I, I watched all of Saturday night. I watched all of her game, watched all of the uh, special Ks. I watched 20 minutes of the men's. And yeah, was, I watched zero of them. And that was luck more than anything else. I'd watched, I watched the start, then I went and watched a whole lot of other stuff, and at about five to one, I turned uh, the stuff off and thought I'll go to bed now. As I flicked it back on the television, lo and behold, Rafa just broke his serve and was serving for the championship. So I went, oh, well, I might as well sit up and watch the last five minutes, and I did. Well, it was after the first two sets, you thought Rafa was gone. Mm. And and, um, me and my sister-in-law, who said, well, we'll watch the next set. And, well, he sort of came back. And then... The fourth set with it started that with thinking, oh well, you know, we'll be able to go to bed soon. You know, this is and then what you and your sister-in-law? <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. No, no, um, no. We were just watching the thing and we thought, oh no, the oh, fourth okay. set with got yeah, no. But um, no, he, he seemed to get better as the game went on, Raphael, and the other bloke, Medvedev. What a what a dickhead! Well, he had the whole crowd kind of turn on him, and I think that one of the major reasons was he was abusing the ball boys, yeah, and the ball girls. And you know, Australians aren't going to cop that, and so he got everybody offside with that. And then he was whinging, sucking up to the umpire about you know controlling the crowd, and it just I just think that didn't help him in his situation because the crowd just jumped all over Rafa and he had the shit snot green T-shirt on, shirt on and he just looked like shit. And um, But, yeah, you know, he, he should have just played it a bit nicer and stopped getting so angry because I think he had the crowd turn on him and I reckon the crowd probably brought Rafa home, not that I saw the final set. Have you got a couple of minutes, guys? Yeah. No. No, I Do you don't. Do you know the truth about tennis? And this is the truth, all right? We had a tennis court growing up. I played every day. It's not a bad game to play, but it wasn't for me, you know. I was overexposed to it. And I was very fortunate for five years I called the Australian Open with the Australian Open um, radio team. Which all right, yeah. Um, you know, and that was with Hutto and, and, and the hilarious Craig Willis and we had Anne, what's her name, Murray, the mother mm. of the Murray. She was part of the team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interviewed Djokovic one-on-one for half an hour when he was quite young. Gave me half his salad roll for lunch. Was a, had a great – it was great. All that stuff was great. But he, here's the truth about tennis. Apparently, number one, a huge ratings last night. Yep. A lot of people really? get passionate about tennis this time of the year. You know what people they are, honestly? Mm. They're people who – Australians who are Australians and have been exposed through their family and whatever to – sport-loving Australia, but they don't fuck all about sport. They, You know, these are people that never invested the time to understand cricket, so they ask who's winning in a test match. Mm-hmm. Football just a mass confusion for them. They, rugby, if they're in different states, they barely know the names of the other sports. They're not really sports fans, but they want to be, you know, because everybody else is. So for two weeks a year they follow tennis, which of course is the simple. It's like watching noughts and crosses. Any idiot can watch tennis. <laughs> ball in, ball out. 
And because there's so little really to the game and it's over five sets, like who in their right mind would watch the second set of a Rafael Nadal game? He doesn't even want to win it. It's all a bloody yeah. it's, it's, all, it's, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like putting something on the slow cooker for nine hours and after an hour calling the entire family to come and have a look how it's going. Like, no one cares. It's not close to being ready. So so they, they and I've seen this dynamic for ages that tennis fans and then everybody start judging tennis players on their personality. Kyrgios is an asshole because he did this. <laughs> I hate Medvedev because he said that he was going out for dinner and not watching Barty. Too late. We hate him. <laughs> and the crowd becomes like this mob. And there's this horrible thing in that doubles game. Yeah, some kids were sort of yelling out during the point. Well, are you surprised? Kyrgios whips them up. And all of a sudden the whole crowd turned on this three, one kid and their two friends. And stupid Kyrgios after... Two weeks of whipping the crowd up, goes, kick him out, get him out, and everybody's yeah, boo and yay. And I tell you, if they had a noose, they would have hung these kids. Like, it's, it's, that, I'm telling you, the one thing about a tennis crowd, the good thing about a packed out tennis crowd is they're not fucking walking the streets because they are not sports, <laughs> they're not sports fans. They are, you know, you know, all of a sudden, what women who don't, and men who know nothing about sport are cheering and nodding, yes, yes, that was in that hit the line, yes, yes, great song. <laughs> oh, you know, fucking shared income. What? You know, when people go, do you watch the tennis? You know what my response is? No. Yes, and I understood it as well. <laughs> the, ball's, the ball's out. That's That's out. There's your game. On the nest, don't hit it into that thing. <laughs> <laughs> the 101 guide uh, to, uh, to Ted. No, you're right. In many ways, you've absolutely nailed it. There's a, there's a mob mentality, a lynch mob mentality about that, that tennis crowd this year. I haven't seen it like that before, to be honest, Fanny. I reckon that's, that's, as, that's as feral as it's ever been. Did we do a Sue thing last week? Oh, wait, boo, Sue instead of boo. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently that's what you cheer if Cristiano Ronaldo gets a goal. Yeah, I'd never heard it's of that just, before. It, it just sounds rude. I, I um, like when they were cheering Philip says, poo, poo. Yeah. And it's like yeah. he did. He, he sat his whole career away. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. No, uh, it, it's over for another year and uh, uh, you're right about the ratings, are massive and uh, they're already talking now the television networks. I think there's still two years on the deal to go, but they're all now jockeying for it now to get it for uh, in two years, what is that, 2025, I think it's uh, the, the, the rights they're talking about now. So it'll be well, with us. It, it didn't hurt and, and two Australians win, you know, oh, Kyrgios yeah. and Kokonakis. Yep. And Kokonakis, Kyrgios has come a long way because remember, Kev, years ago when um, Kyrgios was um, – he was playing somebody. We were talking on SEN about it. And um, I just couldn't get past it. He comes up to the net, the guy he's playing, and goes, Oh, by the way, Cook and Arca slept with your girlfriend. Yeah. Sorry to have to mention was that. Was that Warinka? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it was like, sorry to have to mention that you didn't have to mention it, but you <laughs> did. Um, but look, I think that's what I, it was, you know, curiosity annoys people. And I'm starting to like him because. No matter what happens, he's going to be entertaining. He's either going to crack the shits and break a few rackets and abuse the umpire or, you know, with Kokonakis and him, I don't think I've ever seen him smile and have so much fun playing tennis. Yeah, I thought they were great to watch. Hey? 
You'd smile too if you had a cock in Arcus. <laughs> well, it's not it's not the best name in the world. I'll, I'll grant you that. And Nick Furious, he's a good player too. <laughs> Nick Furious. I reckon he's super. He's he's the apparently the second most in demand ticket in tennis, or was after um, Roger Federer. He was when they were all playing, even ahead of Rafa and Djokovic, because people used to love going. They didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't really care enough. To one watch him play matches because he doesn't care. What should you care? But but I don't think I don't think he doesn't care. I won't, I wouldn't say that he doesn't care. I just don't think he he sort of uh, edifies himself by the result of the game. It doesn't yeah, bother him that much. No, it doesn't yeah. bother him, and he makes good money anyhow. And he's the fact is, I played a lot. Of, I've played sport with a lot of guys like this at all levels. You did too, Kevin and Brian. You you had them in music in the top end of music. People that um, are so scared of failure that they sort of um, p- piss on what they're doing. That's nah, not important, I guess. I don't know. You know, they're actually they would love they love what they're doing and they'd love to be great, but they can't handle losing, so mm. they so they downplay the importance of what they're doing. You know, I imagine so you get, guys who you missed get, out and blame the piss and drugs. You know, but so, so you get a TV ad like, oh, get a sheets. Oh, just mucking around, having a bit of fun. Sheeds would like the show. Sheeds would like the show. So Sheeds doesn't listen to it, no. But he'd like it if he did. Yeah. But just mucking around, having a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an apology for. Yeah. There is one thing about Kyrgios. Now I don't know who the player was, and it's funny because it wasn't an English-speaking player. You know, he likes hitting the ball between his legs yeah. during rallies. Yeah. Apparently, did it in a game with a guy at the change. Changeover said to him, I can't do that, my dick's too big, but you're okay. You can do it. <laughs> and that's true. Uh, good on him. It was a spanking then, or something. He goes, I can't do that, my, my dick's too big, but I hear you can do that all night. <laughs> and then Nick said, oh, by the way, sorry, Kokonaka slept with your girlfriend. Hate to have to mention it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably did. Probably did. Uh, it's over for another year, so that's uh, that's the tennis. Um couple of uh, ROPs, uh, uh, Sister Janet Mead. Now, I saw you put a post up about Sister Janet Mead, Brian, which surprised mm. me, your incredible knowledge of what this woman achieved. Um, well, Sister Janet Mead, I was very aware that she was, I think, the first Australian, as far as I know, to have, you know, number one hit in America. Um, and being a Catholic, I was very familiar with the prayer. And... But she's kind of a bit of an unsung hero. And in my countdown play, um, we got, you know, right now it's crossed us, uh, you know, they get a countdown. It's like, and Wendy Mooney. Um, oh, the lovely Min- Jan- Wendy Mooney, yeah. She's terrific. And uh, she plays Sister Janet Mooney. She goes, Hi, everybody. It's Sister Janet Mead. And then she sucks on this giant cigar and goes, <laughs> Rock on, you animals. So. <laughs> Sister Janet Mead's been a part of my life and part of my countdown show for quite some time. And, you know, the people rave about, you know, in excess and men at work and their success and crowded house and all that. But she was kind of, I think, she was she before Helen Reddy? Uh, oh, geez, the Lord's Prayer, I think, was 70. Was it 73? Really early, yeah. I'm still at primary school, so yeah. I reckon it might have been 73 or thereabouts. I was on, I was on air, so I was after 73, and I reckon Helen's. Stuff Helen, the the big part of Helen's career was seventy five onwards. I reckon. Yeah, I think uh, Sister Janet Mead kicked down a few doors for um, 
for Australian music. Now, well, it was number three or number four on the Billboard chart in America. It was a massive song. 31 countries it went berserk yeah. in. And I'm, she gave all of the money to charity. And didn't she build, didn't she build uh, refuges or something for uh, Yeah. 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 Well, you know, she does take a vow of poverty, so she can hardly say, right, I'm getting a merc. Oh, uh, that's my <laughs> excuse. <laughs> that would be my excuse. No, no. I mean, no, no I was sad to see speak lovingly of her, Brian. Well, she's, what, you know, she achieved something that was great. She's a great Australian because she achieved something that was great by putting the song together. I don't know who arranged it, but it was pretty good. And then all of the millions that she made, she did good service to other people. And, um, you know, I admire that and, and good on her. I just got one, your, I've got one place, question. A, in your mm. place, she's a giant cigar smoking. <laughs> well, Movie. that's right. But I didn't, I didn't say anything about her physicality. Uh, it's interesting. Like, it's interesting that you had a Mooney playing a, a religious figure. That's that's sort of a bit Freudian. But I do have yeah. to ask, I've got a question now. You, you With your Catholic background, Mannix, you should be able to answer this. Who got the songwriting royalties? Well, um, I think the Lord's Prayer. I don't think the – you can't copyright a poem, um, you know, unless it's printed. You say, if I print my poem in a book, well, okay, that's the book. But if I go on, you know, this is where Austin Tatius and uh, Bill Birmingham came unstuck with, um, you know, she's seen a cockatoo. What was that thing? Australiana. Yeah. Saturday night. Because there was no music behind it, <laughs> you can't copyright the words. So they got no writing credits for that. And that's why on Austin Tatius's next one, he did this horrible thing, which he wrote called Phantom Come Quickly. The Phantom just- Shuffle. It was terrible, but he put music behind it so you get the writing credits, but he should have not worried about the writing credits. But um, So I don't think um, anybody could own oh, it. Okay. If the Lord's Prayer is in copyright, um, I'm sure it would have run out by now. But um, whoever put the melody and the music together, they might get 50%. Yeah, of, okay. But, you know, um, God's probably or Jesus is probably getting the uh, – the writing credits, and he doesn't want the money either. <laughs> okay. uh, and the other one who passed away was Howard Hessman, who's, uh, whose death was reported today at the age of Ooh. 81. Howard Ooh. Hessman, WKRP in Cincinnati was one of my favourite TV shows of the 70s. It was set in a radio station in America, and Howard played Dr Johnny Fever. Uh, after that, he did a thing called Head of the Class where he was a teacher in a, a school, but Dr Johnny Fever and WKRP in Cincinnati was just one of my favourite all-time shows. That Indulgent me... So, uh, Making marking his passing because he was he was terrific. He was the breakfast um, DJ and he was just he was feral. He was great. And I wasn't now. Finey might know this. Um, yeah. Hessman wasn't he one of the Nazis that you know Rudolph, killed Jews Rudolph and Hess. shit? Young yeah, Rudolf Hess. Okay, yeah, he ended right. up in Spandau prison. Yeah. yeah, right. As opposed to Spandau Ballet, which would have been worse. Well, they well, named that after that prison. Um, yeah. Do you know what today's the 50th anniversary of? The 31st of January, the 50th anniversary of, what, that's 1972? Yep. Uh, 1972, the 31st of January would have been Sunbury. It was, no. no, Sunbury was around now. Okay. Uh, I think it was around, around, oh, around right now. But would it have been Goff? The actual day. The 31st of January, would that have been when Gough was elected? Not Australia, overseas. Oh, okay. And and has a very strong music connection to a band from that country. 
Oh, okay. Oh, I was going to say the Munich Olympics with the Israelis all getting shot. No, no, seventy-two. The first of the thirty-first of January, nineteen seventy-two. Uh, was it a big festival in England? No, no, wasn't wasn't anything good. It was something terrible. Oh, okay. Thirteen uh, people got killed. One person died later in hospital. Oh, was uh, that? The, oh, hang on. Um, that wasn't, no, it wasn't the Rolling Stones. That was 69, so it wasn't the Rolling Stones' ultimate. No. Oh. <laughs> 69. No. <laughs> the music connection is that a huge band, one of their first and probably one of their best songs is about this day. Oh, is this about the, is this the Liverpool? No. 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 Okay. But you're, you're even closer to the, where it happened. Oh, but not English. close, not that close, but closer. So it's in the, it's Eng, it's in, you in England. You should know, Brian, being being you just said you were a good Catholic. Oh, okay. You're involved. Uh um, oh, me. Oh, did uh, no, I think Pope John Paul died in nineteen sixty nine. No, there's thirteen people died at it. At the event. So it's an event. Oh, the, the, the popes take people with them, mate. Oh, stop yeah. it. They don't just go alone, mate. Stop they love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> go on, but no, you got me funny. What is it? Sunday. You know, bloody oh, Sunday. Oh, yes, yes, yes. In, yeah. in Ulster or yeah, wherever it was. Yeah, you know, yep. they, they, It was a peaceful protest and the English land army opened fire and killed 14 people. Yep, there's been many a movie made about that and, uh, and as you mentioned, the U2 song. They had their gun in their Ulster. Well, they took the gun out of their Ulster we're and not, started shooting people. We're, we're, yeah. not, we're not auditioning for a breakfast show this week, Brian. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Oh, God, we're going crazy in here today. <laughs> but, you know, I play darts with a lot of guys from the UK and I'll yep. tell you what, those those that are so aligned, not all, not all, there's a bit of, but, you know, everybody's happy down under. But let me tell you, in recent times, as I know this period's coming, the Northern Irish that are, that are um, Catholics, they're not, you know, they're not English. They, they, they wouldn't, they don't forgive and forget this day. There may be a treaty and peace and Sinn Fein behind us or whatever, but boy, oh boy, does this run deep. Oh Oof. no, I, I, there's a a well-known football personality who uh, has some Irish blood in him. Who, if you start yeah, him on that yep. topic, oh goodness me, you stand back because the fireworks start because it's it's long from forgiven, oh, long yeah, yeah, from yeah, forgiven. Yeah. There's a movie coming out, I think, this week called Belfast, and there's another yeah, yes, one yes. Um, about this particular era with the yeah. thing. To coincide so, with this period, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, probably be good. I've seen the preview; it looks like something worth watching. You and, know what um, makes it more tragic to me, anyhow. And actually, speaking speaking of uh, movie reviews, yep. um, your movie review last week, Finey, was so comprehensive. That I doubt there's any surprises left for me to if I see that film. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's good. I'll, I'll go. I'll still go and see it. My yeah, yeah. But, so but I said it was great. Surely you didn't expect. Oh, I saw the movie about about the uh, William, William sisters. sisters. I can't believe they went on and won Bachelors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they don't kill either of them off in the in the third act in the film. They actually yeah, live yeah. till the I end. Thought Ser- I thought Serena went on to own a tuna factory. Oh, <laughs> I I was expecting a shark, but uh, that didn't yeah. happen either. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that you know that conflict that Northern Ireland. Yep. And it's sort of to me the same thing where. With, and I know Serbian people, I've got close friends who are Serbian, 
And I, and I know Croatian people. Keep them close. Keep, probably, keep them close, Finey. Keep them close. <laughs> but we grew, I grew up with the term Yugoslav. I didn't know there was – I know that there are differences. And then I see these Irish boys, Northern Irish boys, playing darts. Are you? Are you looking at me? No. Uh, uh. Two – but they speak so different to the Irish. It's so serious. You, me, now, outside, now. It's like, what have I done, cigarette? <laughs> um, but but I just can't believe that there's a hatred because they, to me, they're so similar. I see the Israelis and the Arabs. I see a difference. But I, gee, it's funny how the close sometimes that that closeness breeds incredible hatred. Yeah, and the Germans and the Japanese worked together kind of in World War Two. They were on the same side, even though they never really, you know, manned up with each other. But um, and you can't get far more different to the I mean, Germans just, and the Japanese. That, you're right, though. That, you know, in the First World War, the mm-hmm. Japanese were part of the, the alliance. They were on our but, team, yeah. Yeah, they were, they, yeah, exactly. And somebody actually said to me, we were talking about wars in the pub, and they said, well, it would be all right if America could finally show up on time, not be late. And every war, like I think in World War One, they got there in 1917, World War Two, they didn't join till forty-one. You know, the French had been in Vietnam for thirty years before they got there. The Russians had been it. They just always late the Yanks. Oh, but the, America had a very clear-cut non. What was the term they used for not being involved in the Second World War? That, that was their position. Non. It's not that they weren't um that they weren't neutral because they. They were happy to supply arms and that to the Allies and not support the Germans, but something about non-participation, right? Yeah. And they were steadfast. And the I minute the first bomb fell in Pearl Harbor, they tore it up. They were in. The, they were in. They'd skin yeah. in the game. They said. Well, I think at the time before Pearl Harbor, um, it was President Jack Little, and when they asked him <laughs> about the war, he'd just say. No comment. <laughs> this Saturday night, they'll be hanging from the rafters at Pearl Harbor. Yeah, <laughs> haven't had Jack turn up on the show for a while. No, we missed Jack. He's been he's been absent. Now, let's get to the chart. Oh, yes. all right. Oh yes. Nineteen eighty-five, February nine, and the reason that I chose it is because during last week, someone sent me a. Because I'm going to say, I, I just mentioned earlier, I was doing. Uh, mornings on 3XY at uh, in February of 1985 when this Eon chart came out. What were you doing, Finey? 1985. Yep. Um, it was a great year. I went overseas and played cricket. There you go. As a 19 and 20-year-old. Right? Oh, nice. Very nice. 1985, yep, Brian Mannix, what were you doing? Um, I was having a good time. Um, uh, everybody Wants to Work had just been a hit. And we're probably about to release Party, which sold actually, which people don't realise, but it actually um, charted and sold more than everybody wants to work. But we should have called it what we get to do instead of that. But anyway, that's my fault. Mm. Um, and we were just about to go on tour with Rod Stewart. So yeah, it was a but great time. We, we, that was that was the year Brian Mannix became Rudy Zarzoff. <laughs> That's right. One of the no, famous actually, Zazoff brothers. I've, I've, been, I've been training for that moment for quite some time, Fanny. <laughs> yeah, and, and bravely doing all the work solo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, not always. Uh, hey, that's enough. 
Now, what you no, were doing, Brian, was you were filling yes. out uh, uh, profiles on uh, in the uh, Countdown magazine. Oh, and yes, of course. Let me take right. you back. To, okay, now I see why this is Let me chart. take you back to January uh, 1985, just a couple of weeks before this chart was out. You were in uh, – you and the band, the whole band were featured in a profile piece yeah. on Countdown magazine where, amongst other things, you revealed that, you know, your birth date of 7th of the 10th, 61. Yes, which wasn't embarrassing then. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> revealed you had one brother. Yes. You revealed your height was taller than Angry Anderson but shorter than Doc Neeson. That's true. Working well. You were eight and a half stone? No, no, I don't think so. Um, oh, well, if I was, I was overweight. I think eight and a quarter stone. And actually, again, eight, I thought it was... Like seven and a quarter stone was my ideal rock state. I was going to say eight and a half stone uh, seems no. pretty big for you. I would have thought. Yeah, I think it. I think um, that's I a, that's a hundred pounds, which is what in uh, it's like sixty odd k. I think I wouldn't have thought you would have been sixty k. Well, probably about sixty k or fifty eight k now. Now here's the first. But then I would have been seven and a quarter stone. I reckon. Okay. So I've. There's been a typo there. Dripping wet in the in the shower. Now here's the first of the lies. Oh, there's no lies, Kev. Eyes. All right, let's have a listen. Two brown. What? Two Says brown. He, what are you talking he, about? You said you got two brown eyes. I do. Oh, I've got three. All right, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Hair, dirty blonde. Some things yeah. never change. Yeah, I am a dirty blonde. So Previous job. Now, I didn't know about this. A lab technician and clerk. When were you a lab yeah. technician? Well, I worked in the TV department at Coburg Teachers College. And um, so my official title was um, lab technician, but I was oh. basically filming and editing and, you know, setting up TVs and shit for lecturers. And um, okay. yeah, right. so it was good. I liked that job. Your favourite colours were red, black, and white? Yeah, good on you. I don't know how that happened. Oh, that's what I'm thinking too. The first thing I saw with that is, what's the St Kilda colour reference thing in there I, anyway? I look, I love black and white. Um, but, you know, if you've got a, a room that's black and white, if you put a red throw rug or something on it, it really makes it pop. So, you know, as a um, design thing, red, black and white looks really good, but mostly black and white just with a splash of red. And, you know, if you've got a room done out like that, it looks good. I've got to say, this reinforces something that I've always believed. What's that? That those sort of pen pick, player pick, fan pick questions as a way of interviewing or revealing something about somebody is the most unprofessional, <laughs> ham-fisted, immature, lazy way to go about your business. Well, what's Brian Maddox's favourite colours? Well, it gets yeah. better, Finey. Uh, yeah. His hobbies, and, uh, well, this is, you're still doing this and you did it today. You mentioned earlier today your hobbies were swimming and drinking. Well, you were swimming earlier today and you're drinking now. Yes. Your ambition was to have more hats and more money than Molly. Well, I'd, <laughs> well I'd still like to have more money than Molly. Um, I've got I've collected a few hats along the way, but, um, yeah, I'd. You know, I think while you've got hair, you don't wear them. Mm. Favourite anyway. food, mum's cooking. Favourite drink, tequila and orange. Favourite oh, food, mum's cooking. Nah, normally on these curios, it'd always be favourite food. Anything in a bag was the answer. Mm, should have been. You're yeah. a rock and roll star. You don't eat mum's cooking. 
No, I don't know how that. Mum must have been, you know, doing, you know, signing autographs or something for me at the time, so I've given her a good nod. Your self-description, loud and ambitious. Loud and ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with the loud. There's a few other words I could use instead of ambitious. Great. He's loud and ambitious. Mm. All I wanted to, you know, get to the top. What does that mean? I want to be wealthy. Just whisper it. (laughs) That's exactly right. I'd scream at people that I want to be wealthy. And why aren't I? Why am I only number three on the Eon FM chart? I should be number one. Yep. Yep. Uh, The high point of your career. Every day of my life. Oh, I reckon the manager yeah. or somebody's yeah. filled this in. Sorry. No, I, I haven't filled this in. This yes, you did. Because well, No, hang on. You did, did, did. Favourite films, Being There, Jaws and Jailhouse Rock. You filled that Yeah. In. No, I'll, I'm happy with that. I watched Being There the other week. I showed it to my son. He'd never seen it and he thought it was great too. Your favourite actor, James Garner. The Rockset Files. <laughs> he was at the time because I used to get up and watch oh, The Rockset yeah. Files at 12 o'clock every day. But I love James Garner, but I think Gene Hackman probably would edge him out a bit. Yeah, now. apparently Lawrence Olivia turned down the part. <laughs> 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 favorite favorite actress, Sigrid Thornton. Yeah, well, I think uh, the man from Snowy River had just come out at the time, and you look at her and that. Who was your favorite and actress? Sigrid Thornton. Sigrid Thornton. What was her first name? Sigrid. No, no, I've given up. That was a. <laughs> That was a Pixie Ann Wheatley joke when she interviewed Sigrid Thornton. Hello, Sigourney. Sigrid. She said it about three times. And she goes, Sigrid. And she goes, for God's sake, I'm trying to give up. (laughs) (laughs) I must have a look at that. Uh, The person you'd most like to meet, Paul McCartney. Yeah, fair enough. Most. uh, What did you say? Paul McCartney. What did you want to do to him? (laughs) person he'd most like to meet. Ask him some very heavy questions about songs like Martha, My Dear and Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> oh, Funny God. thought. You said- know, in 1985, if you'd met Paul McCartney and his wife, you know, you, know you wouldn't have had enough legs for two sets of wickets. <laughs> no, no. She, she, that was, she came later, Heather. This is, I, I think, think uh, he's still 80, with Linda. He's Linda. still with Linda. Still with Linda, then, yes. You know, uh, your most important possession was your health. Um, yeah, that's a great You answer. looked after that well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your most hated record. Oh. He had the record for reading most. Oh, the actual record. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know. Is Spy versus Spy get a mention here? No, they don't. You, oh. you know what would be great? If he's bagging James Ray back in, oh, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> no, George Michael's Careless Whisper. Actually, I quite like that now. <laughs> he's a grown-up boy now. Favourite yeah. bands were the Beatles, the Monkees and Little Murders. Who the hell are Little Murders? Oh, Little Murders are great. Um, Rob Griffith and Michael Barclay, the drummer from um, Bull Kelly. Oh, okay. And they just had these sort of 60s songs, but they played them with such aggression and I just love their melodies. Um, there's a song, I think it's on Spotify, called 100 Drugs and, you know, the like that, of course, I'm going to love it. But I hung out with Michael Barclay a lot and, um, no, I really, really love that band. Okay. And, you know, and also because they were friends, yeah. give, give them a little help up, you know, Absolutely. the Beatles, Stones and 
Little Murders. People go, who's Little Murders? So hopefully they'd go see them and help them out a bit. Your favourite like singers, it. your favourite singers were the Beatles, Elvis, Lou Reed and David Bowie. Your favourite album was Break... Uh, no, Sister Jean. No, Sister Janet no. Mead's not in there. Oh, Janet Mead or whatever. Didn't she oh, play for Port Adelaide? His <laughs> 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 favourite album? Um, gee whiz, I'd be saying it shouldn't be Sergeant Pepper. No, um, it's not. No, that, that, that's that's a dub. That's too. You need an album that's soft and padded. I don't know. I might have gone a bit wanky just to sort of seem like I'm really smart and said Japan, cold, thick as a Japan, gentlemen, take Polaroids <laughs> or something like that. No, you said Breaking Silence. Oh, James Freud. Yeah, I was playing it the other day. It's great. Okay. And your favourite singles were Alive and Well by Paul Kelly? Yes. Unsung. You can't get it on Spotify, but it's a great song. And unfortunately, when it came out, somebody punched him and he broke his jaw, so he couldn't promote it. And so the song never became the hit it deserved okay. to be. And Missing You by John Waite. <laughs> At the time, I thought that was great. I, yeah, okay. I still kind of like it, but, you know, uh, it's not the worst song in the world. No, okay. it's, and he's a good singer. So that's why I chose this uh, era to talk about, because this is the era when you're at your peak, you're in Countdown magazine, you're yeah. on uh, everything, and this is the top ten of, uh, of February 1985. Uh, Number ten, right. Tiamo by Laura Brannigan, mentioned nah, on this not, program last she's week. She's not Umberto. Number nine, Murray Head's One Night in Bangkok, mentioned on this program a lot lately. Number eight was Eurythmics' Sex Crime 1984. Number seven, a bit of a hangover from Christmas, still in February, Last Christmas by Wham!, Number six, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Number five, Trust Me by I'm Talking. Number four, Dr. Beat by the Miami Sound Machine. Number three, The Boys of Summer by Don Henley. Number two, Together in Electric Dreams by Giorgio Moroder. And number one, I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. Right. Ooh, I can tell you, again, for the second week in a row, my uh, three bads come from the top ten. Wow. So, Finey, you're opening the batting and you're giving us your... Good, I'm getting a Third beer. bad. Now, your third bad and your third back. good. Third good. Now, I'll tell you this. If you – somebody's going to say, well, it's not the, the artist's fault if the radio keeps playing it over and over and every <laughs> karaoke bar in Australia plays it and a mate of, your goes, a mate of yours goes to the Philippines and not even in Manila, in this country part of Philippines, and where nobody speaks any English, they, they, the karaoke that night played this song, and Pat, this is a true story, seven out of, like, 15 songs was this song. <laughs> now, I don't – and I'm not even going to say it's a good song because it is it is exactly the sort of song that Nutcase with a pointy metal bra would sing, but like a virgin is imprinted on my brain and it's an unpleasant scar that could be mistaken for a stroke. Yep. Well said. Beautiful summer. Well, in Philippine, apparently, like birds and puck by the very first time. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and what's your number three good? My well, number three good. Look, I really like all three songs. There's a band. If you like, if you used to watch the wrestling and you like Johnny Gray and Larry O'Day, then you like the Radiators. Yep. They were on big posters, they were always written little. And on little posters, they were big. In other words, in small pubs, they were the main act. But they sang behind a lot of bands they were better than in bigger pubs. 
Like yep. they seem like bands that weren't fit to carry their fucking suitcases. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how things went wrong for them. Well, they're from Western Sydney. That's a shit hole. But this song, like the gamble, is actually not bad. And and I like the Radiators. And if they if they were here today, who's their lead singer? Brian Nickel. Yep. You know what? If he was here today, you know what I'd say to him. Hey, Brian. Go into the go into the TV lounge room. We've got a piano, and you can go on first because I've got the kids coming on later, so you can open for them. <laughs> yeah, they did. They opened for everyone. They, it was one. This was one of the albums that they did in. I think they did two albums in America. This is one of the ones they did in America. Yeah, um, yeah. It was. It's good. It's a good little song. Yeah, yeah. Good on. Them. Yeah, good. I didn't realise they had so many chart records in in Victoria. To be honest, I thought they were a very heavily based Sydney band who didn't do that much chart-wise here, but they, they did. They came to Victoria a lot. I yeah. saw them a few times. Yeah, yeah played a lot live. They did. You yeah. love them, don't you, Brian? Oh, they were a big influence on me and the X-Men. Where yeah, we loved them. Yeah, good. You know, I reckon I saw them three – this is true – three times I saw them and each time I asked, who are they? They're good. Yeah. And I, I used to go to bands with a, when we were 18 with a guy called Rage. He goes, for fuck's sake, I just, they are the radiators. <laughs> They're the same band as two weeks ago. They – they they look the same and they're singing the same songs. Isn't it a coincidence? Why do you keep asking who they are? <laughs> were you having a bit of a Warwick Kappa moment in those days, were you? No, no, no. But they, they got such little billing, they weren't even allowed to put their name on there. I thought they were the Billy Hyde drum centre for three years. <laughs> uh, righto, Mannix, number three, good and bad, what do you got? Um, okay, number three, bad, mm. I think. There's so much to choose from here, it's difficult. Sorry. But... Um, <laughs> I think when we, oh, they debuted at this thing, and oh yes, they debuted at number thirty-five, and it's the Pointer Sisters with Neutron Dance. Um, and my problem with this song is the word neutron. Mm-hmm. You know what, what? What? What are they trying to say? It's just a groovy word that they've stuck in there with a bland word called dance. And um, so lyrically, I just found that geez, I've got a dunny budgie in here. It's just no good. Um, uh, so, yeah, Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters. I think that the Pointer Sisters are a lot better than that. And, Kevin. Uh, yes. What's a dunny budgie? I was about to ask, Funny. What's a dunny budgie, Mannix? It's like a big blowfly you'd find in your outback dunny. Oh. You know, it's like a big, like a little bird with, you know. Like, like a march like, fly. It's oh, a really goodness. big one, yeah. So they've obviously had the back doors open all day and let the Dunny Budgies in, which is well, also the name another... of my new band for <laughs> Dunny Budgies. That's another image and another term I'd need to yep. therapy to forget about. Me too. Uh, what's oh. your number three good, Mr Mannix? I think Neutron Dance was in one of the Beverly Hills Cop films from memory. Yeah, I, maybe that's why I don't like it because uh, all of that soundtrack in Beverly Hills Cop, it's all that you know, keyboards and shit. Yeah, it and is. It was cool at the time, but you watch it now and it's like, oh, listen to the music. It's yeah, it was all Harold Faltermeyer stuff. Yeah, well, he can fault right off. Yeah, okay, go on. Next. Uh, Didn't he end up in Spandau Prison? <laughs> Good. About time. <laughs> um, Crime against the years. Number, I'm going to go for number 29. The Honey Drippers with Sea of Love, Robert Plant singing Sea of Love. I think it's a beautiful song and I think it's a pretty good version that they do of it. Okay. Yes. All right. I'll tell you, we've got to check his latest stuff out. I'm trying to think of the female that he's doing some albums with at the moment and, geez, it's good. I listened to it the oh, other day. Uh, my number three, good. 
when it came out, I'm a bit sick of it now. When it came out, I really liked it, thought it bounced out of the radio, thought it sounded terrific. Uh, in the summer of uh, 85, when it was as hot as buggery, The Boys of Summer by Don Henley gets my number three good. Yep. And my number three bad, oh, honestly, it was an awful, awful, awful film and the soundtrack was just Talk about take the keyboard and surgically implant it in every orifice of your body. Giorgio yeah. Moroder did that and nothing that came out of any of those orifices sounded good, particularly together in Electric Dreams. Just a bloody awful song. Oh, did, he, did he write the song The Endless Story or whatever it was called? Uh, he wrote a lot of soundtracky stuff around that time and he's also doing a lot of the disco acts at that time too, writing their songs and producing them and everything. To be honest, what you said earlier, Finding, everything sounded the same. Oh, he's, the cat people thing he did with Bowie was great. Did he do that? Yes, yeah, oh, Jorge okay. Moroder. And he did um, the first 12-inch, which was the, um, you know, uh, I feel love, I feel love, I feel love, I feel love. Donna Summer. Love, I feel love. That's Giorgio. That's again. the Bronsky boot. No, no, not that little bastard for him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Giorgio's actually done, done some if good work. Done with the Brodsky beat, they never would have got on stage. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, between Giorgio Moroda and the bloke, what was the bloke from Chic in America? He was producing everything in America. He was producing all the Like a Virgins. Uh, Nile Rogers. Yeah, right. So between those two, they kind of had it, they had the world uh, with a, uh, some sort of piano instrument and uh, organ and keyboards and stuff going everywhere. Number two, finally. Are they currently serving life imprisonment for crimes against humanity? <laughs> they should be. Or <laughs> being punished ironically and being forced to listen to, um, uh, what, what are they called? A, uh, dead or a lot, you know, the Bon Jovi. Yeah, they, they're put in a room <laughs> and they, they, their punishment is they've got to listen to Bon Jovi and every time they try and turn the volume down, it makes it louder and they can never turn it back the other way. Uh, uh, now, there's no Bon Jovi in this 1985 chart, so finally, what have you come up with for number two, good and bad? All right, that toothy cow, Laura Bradford, has definitely wrapped her hands around my Tiamo. <laughs> <laughs> she's announcing some thief and on this occasion stole a song to go with her. And she's got eyebrows like Jex pads. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If I want to see Gary Dempsey in drag, I'll ask Gary Dempsey to put his dress on. <laughs> I don't need him to be, call himself Laura Bradigan and sing a, the song that I really like. Of course, um, of course, it's an Italian song, but she can only pucker up to about two Italian words, T-R-M-O, and then she falls back into her... Her mother tongue, which is, of course, sucking up to a producer to get a fucking contract. <laughs> Sorry, don't like her. Never liked her. Uh, fair enough. Number two, good. <laughs> I, I, I always said, I always, seriously, I always used to say when she's in the charts, Brannigan shenanigans, the charts are rigged. <laughs> Number two, good. Luckily, I salvaged the situation with one of my favourite songs on a great band. 23 singles top 40, 19 sing albums top 40 in England. Still going, I think. Um, they've had different lead singers. This is a great voice that sings this, but I love The Stranglers. Maybe no. not my favourite song. Yeah. That would be Peaches, probably probably Peaches and Always the Sun, but I do love Skin Deep. It's actually a good message, which is check your friends out. Don't rely on them too much because some of them are just skin deep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, you know, you have to sort of find it because stupid Eon FM puts a watermark and somebody else puts another watermark. So <laughs> that song was almost hidden. I, when I first saw it, I thought, 
what songs eat? What's a, <laughs> finally work it out. No, it is Actually, good I, I reckon um, my favourite Stranglers song is um, the worst crime that I ever did was play some rock and roll and the money's no good. Just get a grip on yourself. That's great. They're great. But they are great. They are really yeah. good. And, you know, it's really interesting to read it. Apparently their they're long-standing keyboardist died of COVID, which is sad. But Oh, really? Uh, yeah, Greenway, Greenhalf, and I don't know what he's done. They've got a lot. They've got a live album, which uh, me and my brother bought, and it's bloody shit house. It's, um, yeah, it's not good. But okay. they did make some great records, but uh, their live album is not so flash. Through number two, Good and Bad from uh, Brian Mannix. Okay, number two, Bad. The number one song, okay. like Foreigner, I Want to Know What Love Is. Well, gee whiz. I want to know what an orange is. I want to know, you know, and and even the singer, he got pissed off with this when they doing two soppy ballads and shit, and he went off and recorded his own um, solo album. It was a bit more rocking, but I want to know what love is. You know, it's people play this at their wedding. You know, why are you getting married if you know what love is? You don't know when you've got married. You're an idiot. Um, no, I don't like that at all. Um, okay. More on that song coming. <laughs> well, oh, well, yes. Yeah, so I, I think we're going to might have a, uh, a big gazumping for the number mm. one worst too. I think that we could all probably. Oh, no, you've just gazumped my number one there, and, uh, but more on that song uh, coming. Oh, trust me. Well, I reckon your number two will gazump my number one. All right. Um, okay, what am I looking for now? Good one. Yep. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I really kind of like. Um, sorry about this. I didn't have time to do any preparation, as you can tell. Um, I think I will go for um, this great song, which I'm just stretching while I think about it. <laughs> um, yes, it's a beauty, and I know you guys are going to love this. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, Isn't it uh, funny? Totally unprepared stretching, doesn't have a song, and sounds exactly like Molly, who for 40 years and became the doy of music in a frog. God, that is funny. Oh, here we go. This is the bad one, isn't it? No, the good one. Oh, was it? What mm-hmm. did I just do? You what just was the did good one? Foreigner. You just did the bad foreigner. That's that's the bad one. Yeah. So this is the good one. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, right. So a lot of bad ones. Um Okay, well, look, I don't particularly like uh, Bruce Springsteen, but Dancing in the Dark, I think, is probably one of his better ones. So number 34, Dancing in the Dark. Okay. That was the film clip with Courtney Cox, wasn't it? Well, he got caught with his cock. Oh, he did. Sure. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, is Courtney Cox from Friends? Yep. Oh, she's so <laughs> well, she made a terrible blue Courtney. <laughs> I reckon she's a redhead that's dyed her hair black. But or dark. she was pretty. I hated Friends. Friends is the you know people go, oh, how can you watch the wrestling? It's fake. How about a, how about a sitcom where six friends like each other and sleeping each other and still like each other and <laughs> yes. that's the most that's most fictitious story in the history of mankind. Yeah, yeah. And, you're clearly but, not. You're, sorry. Yeah, no, no. Cl- clearly not. What you're clearly not familiar with the uh, antics of the bold and the beautiful. <laughs> Everybody gets married, they root each other, and then they just keep working together and they just remarry to somebody else. It's it's incestuous. 
Oh, no. no that that, old, I mean that, that. old would watch. Now, but the thing, <laughs> the thing is, that Courtney Cox was good looking. She mm. really was. I mean, I'm not, not my type. Why? Because I wasn't good enough to be their type. Anyhow, that's not the point. Um, good looking. She was good looking, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Yeah. Have you seen her in that reunion show? She's yeah, I did. She's the one that had all, had all the work done. So they all looked the same. They all look like, you know, that that woman, you know, that cat woman. They're all heading. You would have to be so stupid to get those facelifts. It's terrible. Yep. Now they they all you you could uh, you could uh, show movies on their f- foreheads because they're so wide and, and uh, absolutely unlined. It's 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 ridiculous. I, I never understood the whole. They get those. Their lips get bigger and yep. puffier and wider until you know. Yep. Until they really look like they've had a, you know, a, a, a sort of a female pedenda that's just delivered a child plastered to their face. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I'd still root them. Oh, you would Pardon? not. Yes, I would. I yes. wouldn't care. Actually, no, sorry. Beers, wouldn't give a shit. Yes, you would. Uh, <laughs> my, my number two uh, in the bag. You would You would give a shit. Some <laughs> of them have had the skin lifted up so much they've got goaties. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a little cleft chin like Gregory Pepp. Uh, okay. Kelly Button's in the middle of the forehead. Fortunately, we're in the adults only time slot now, so that's fine. Um, no, my number two in the Bad is uh, oh this is this is awful. This starts with a a siren and then uh, then they go emergency emergency and the, all the dance music's kind of jumping underneath and then starts singing calling Doctor Beat calling Doctor Beat. Oh God, it's awful. And then they cut in the film clip to Gloria Estefan standing on the top of a uh, a building as if she's about to jump. I swear the people underneath are going jump. Jump! <laughs> Rather than listen to the song Dr. Beat by the Miami Sound Machine, god-awful song that is. How it got to number four is way beyond me, but anyway. And my number two good is someone whose stuff I like, and this sounds like it could have been written around the time of uh, an album that certainly was one of the pivotal albums in my youth called Cosmos Factory. Um, it's oh, yeah. John Fogarty's The Old Man Down the Road. This sounds like it was sort of Son of Run Through the Jungle or one of those songs. Just he got sued by the record company, the publishing company that owned Run Through the Jungle. Yeah. And he had to go to court and prove that it was different. Yeah, it is. Got, it's different enough. Yeah. Actually, this this chart is full of songs that people got sued over. Ghostbusters is on this chart. Yeah. Um, the Old Man Down the Road is on this chart. There's a couple of others that people got sued for as well. But I like John Fogarty. I like his voice, and I reckon this sounds like it could have been on one of those early yeah. Credence albums. So that's that's my number two, uh, nice. The Old Man Down the Road. Good song. Finey, Unleash right. the Beast. Okay, so for Bad, just a couple of apologies for Bad. I know a lot of people love Head. And love one night in Bangkok, <laughs> but but and a lot of people love that song. But then again, they also like musicals and tennis. So forget that. <laughs> um, the and look, you said you don't normally like Springsteen. I've, I I love the rivers for some reason. I love that song. Born in the USA is a shitful song that every every show on SEM that had American sport had to. That is the, the, the leading music. Yeah. At least when I did an American show with Steve Salisbury, he said he hated Born in the USA, but that was an only show. I had a great song by, um, it's by, um, oh, it's called, it's called Thank You. It's, it's rapper, there's a few rappers in it. You've got to listen to it. It's very good. 
the one with the rippity dippity voice, isn't it? Um, isn't it? So that was our opening. But you said Dancing in the Dark was bad, right? Didn't you? No, I said it was probably yeah, one no, of the least, better no, ones. No, you said it was good, did you? Yeah, you did. I, yeah, I was struggling. Yeah, no, 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 it, 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 it's okay. You sort of dug a bit further because a couple down, not only do they dance in the dark, mm. but when they turn the light on, they realise that Barbara Streisand's there singing Leave in the Dark. Oh. <laughs> now, anybody who hates musicals hates Barbara Streisand. Yes. Yeah. Now, I've got to say this quietly because my wife might be around. But, um, you know, um, Barbara Streisand was very popular. Her mother played a lot. I was in a car read Barbara Streisand CDs and tapes and I thought this is going to cause a car accident because if I was in the car next to a car playing Barbara Streisand, I would try and put that into the into tomorrow. <laughs> in, um, in, in uh, you know, Dodgem car style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Barbara Streisand, uh, look, I'm, I'm Jewish, so I, you know, but I can't, I just can't understand it. Barbara Streisand is, if you want, if you want to eat, if you want to eat a bagel, eat a bagel, but don't listen to that crap. <laughs> <laughs> so what left- are doing in an Australian chart? Who bought it? I don't know. That is quite surprising. I don't like her when she does all that stuff. I liked, I actually like Barbara Streisand's early stuff. There's an album called Stony End where she sings kind of uh, more Carol Kingish than than what Barbara nah, Streisand mate. became. I liked it. I, 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 I went out of my way to see the film clip for her song Memories, but it had nothing to do with kids. <laughs> no. In fact, I, I might even have the pronunciation. Yeah, you might. What the, what's your number one good? Number one good comes from, all right, I'm going to say it, and you'll, you can write this on my gravestone. Mark Fine's favourite ever album was Cafe Blur, Blue, or whatever you want to call it, by the Style Council. And oh, Shout, yes. and Shout to the Top is a very good song. It's not the best song on that album, but I'll tell you what, you don't have to be the best song to be a good song on that album. Um, I mean, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Is good the song. Night. That is the best song to sing to somebody you love. And, you know, Nat caught me singing the other day. But, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I played to Nat. I played to her. I think it's just the greatest, that is the greatest song to play to somebody you love. Mm, and Shout to the Top. Is a great song, and oh, I just think, you know, at that point in time, what's his name? Um, uh, Paul Weller. Morrissey. Morrissey. All oh, right, from Smiths. Yeah, yeah, um, because he was style council. I mean, at that point in time, they just got it right, and then of course, they beca- they, they really, I, f- I feel like they got they must have met Rowan Conley because they became very political and very left, and their songs had too much. It was too much about. Thatcher's England and, and these undercurrents, but when it was just music, I loved them. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I, and I was listening to it on my Walkman around Europe. You know, I said play cricket. Yeah, I was travelling, travelling with this great girl called Jane, and I was listening to the Walkman. And I I remember that at times we would try and share the Walkman, so you stretch the speakers out. That was technology. That was great. <laughs> and a very good good choice. I concur with you 100% there. Uh, Brian Mannix, number one good, number one bad. What have you got for me? Okay. It's it's really hard to find a good one, Kev. It's quite difficult. Um, but, you know, the bad, that's – look, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for um, – uh, where was it? I saw it before. It's um, shout, shout. Oh, tears for fears. Yeah, 
That's your good I or your bad? You know, it's not really my cup of tea. That's my good. Yep. Now, bad, well, you could look at Ghostbusters, you could look at Barbara, you could look at Loverboy by Billy Ocean. Oh, God, Ken, that's I an awful song, Loverboy. Oh, Loverboy by Billy Ocean. That's, that's an a awful great song. Bad one. Oh, Jesus, that, that's such an awful song. Corey Hart, it ain't enough. That's uh, not a bad song. That's not a bad song. Okay. Had a Dream by Roger Hodgson, don't remember that. That's the bloke from Supertramp. That's got one of the world's longest bloody intros in it. It's, it's, it's a, a tedious, oh, okay. tedious song. Well, this isn't their worst song, but we know how I feel about this band. And I actually, no, I'm going to let them get away. I was going to go for uh, <laughs> Daryl Hall or John. Oh, you're not going out of touch. I've got, I, had, I, I had two songs backed in for your number one. Right. Foreigner yeah. was one of them. and. Yeah. The other one was another American band that's in there that I thought you would have. Isn't there a band that you like that you know I dislike on this chart at about number 16? Yeah. Toto, Stranger in Town. Town. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how it's Toto, so I know that it'll be consistently shit. Well, that's that's hardly a, you know. It's hardly an in-depth interview, but, you know, you try packing up 36 years' worth of shit in a week because then you've got time for this fucking thing. Uh, Andy Andy ran to Oak Park and swam two laps in the pool. Yep. Yep. I'm going to do three tomorrow. Did all that. Uh, All right. Come on, Kev, what do you got? My number one, I'll do my number one good first, which is Shout to the Top by Style Council. I love it. I always like Style Council. I like Paul Weller. I like the jam. I thought Town Called Malice oh, was a great song. Oh, that's right. Not Morrissey, Paul Weller. Yeah, Paul yeah, Weller. Um, well, 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 tell me more. Paul Weller was brilliant at that time, wasn't he? God, yeah. he was good. Yeah, Jam were great and Town Like Malice was really good and then he then Style I Council. Agree. Long Hot Summer's a good song. You're the best. You're right. It's a really good song. And I like Shout to the Top. It's a good song. I watched the clip of it today. Um, they then became very pretentious, as you quite rightly point out, finally after that, and uh, I don't think I like much of the stuff after this, but that was really good. And my number one bad. Now, this is my rant. This is my – sorry. Oh, we well, then they're serial offenders because uh, it's it's foreign as I want to know what love is. Yes. But it's become an ant in the last uh, – it's the second uh. incarnation of Buddy the Singing Quacker. Who's, uh, who, yeah, Buddy yeah. the Singing Quacker did Holding Out for a Hero, that bloody awful Bonnie Tyler song, and they do this thing where Buddy the Singing Quacker has like a chorus of quackers and he sings, and they change the words to well-known songs and do them as an ad for HBF. Now, quite honestly, HBF, if this is the best you can do, bloody hell, I'm sure you're getting some some pushback from people around and I'm sure you're getting, oh, I love it, it's one of my favourite songs, it was our wedding song. Well, if this was your wedding song and they turn it into this... Now, you know how this song goes, Brian. You know, it goes, in my life, you know, it starts with that thing, in my life, there's been heartache and pain. Okay, well, that now has become uh, the quacker singing, in my life, there's been toothache and pain. Oh, that's HBF have helped me time and time again. Members members first, they're not for profit. They changed this quacker's life. Now I know uh, what love is. HBF has showed me what it should be. Now I know what love is. It just, it's, they've, I mean, if that song was a song that you got married to or you, you know, proposed when that song was in the background or the first time that you kissed your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever and then they've turned into Buddy and the Singing Quackers, you would be devastated. 
It was a shit song to start with, and the cockers have not done it any problems. No wonder they're only found on Rottnest Island, the rotten little mongrel things. <laughs> well, I think you win, Kev. I think that is the most astute review of a song that we've had all day today, and I think uh, congratulations to well you. You're the you best on the ground. And so, and so that's what you did. You stuck it up. And so incensed that I want to point out that the the client was HPF. The general manager of marketing engagement is Louise Ardage. The senior manager brander is Louisa Ross. The production manager of this was Mighty Mice. The director was Simon out, Robson. Are you outing everything to do with this? Absolutely. Commercial? Lead animator was Duncan McLaren. You didn't do a bad job, Duncan, but Jesus Christ, piss the quackers off, mate. What Louise you know hard ass was no the good. Burn their houses. <laughs> uh, the music was done by Squeaky Clean Studios. The music supervised was Speaky, Squeaky Clean Studios. The sound was done by Bang Bang. The engineer was Sam Hopwood. Sam, hang your head in shame. What the hell are you people? What are you on about, you fucking people? <laughs> you, I mean, how you, dare you? You hate when they take songs from the 80s or 70s and turn them into ads, don't you? I don't. It's not something I've been fond of over the years. Some of them work. I mean, I, they, I, I must admit, I now hysterically laugh every time the bloody McDonald's ad comes on with the Bon Jovi song because of you, Finey. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you're not going to like the late, the next TAC commercial. What are they doing? Well, they're saying that you've got to concentrate when you're driving and it's to turning Japanese and it's a guy having a toss and then crashing his car. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you're not allowed. They're bringing in a new law. You're not allowed to masturbate while driving anymore. Yeah, I mean, they've got those overhead cameras that can say, they can pick if you're on the phone. And a mate of mine said, shit, they'll be able to see if I'm, they'll see if I'm masturbating. I said, the technology's not that good, mate. And, you know, the new Tesla cars, they come with a windscreen wiper on the inside. Oh, it's yeah. like, what yeah. would that no, be for? It's what, no, it's, that's what happens, It's Kev. true. Their, their owners love those cars so much. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, I've heard that. I've heard a Tesla owner say, this, I should have married this car and not my wife. And I said, I said, what are you talking about? Performs, turns over first time every time and doesn't make a sound. <laughs> well, I've got a friend of mine. Turns over first time every time. I've got a friend of mine who's um, – now, I don't take offence at this, finally, because I know you are Jewish, but my friend yeah. of mine is Jewish. He went and bought a Tesla, and for some reason he had one inch of the exhaust pipe chopped off. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's actually coincidence because I was circumcised at eight days old, and the only reason I was circumcised is the fan belt went on my father's fairline. <laughs> <laughs> Good to finish with some dick jokes, you beauty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and on that cheery note, we shall we shall depart for another week. Thank you, Finey. Been uh, been gorgeous as always. Uh, take it easy. Look after yourself. And I'll tell you what, I love you, boys. Oh, you know what? When's your birthday, Brian? Uh, October seven. I'm get you a foreskin wallet. It's great. <laughs> if you rub it hard enough, you can use it as a suitcase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you, uh, Manic. Stay out of the we're, papers. We're way over time. Here we, we go. Yeah, we are. We are. Oh, well, Good night well, to everybody. We've had fun. Good night. Good Goodbye, night. Goodbye, everybody. Good See night. you next Bye. week. Number eight last week. Let's see if we get to number six. <laughs> You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook.